Be seated, be seated, be seated. It's good to see everybody. Anybody from Alabama in the house? Thank you very much, thank you very much. If you got up at church, now we ain't like your grandma's church, just in case she's wondering. <laughs> Sweet Home Alabama is a song by the American Southern rock band Leonard Skinner, released on their second album, Second Helping, in 1974. It reached number eight in the U.S. chart in 1974 and became the band's highest charting single. Interesting, I didn't know that everybody in Leonard Skinner was from Florida. <laughs> and that Leonard Skinner was their PE teacher's name. Wouldn't that be cool if you knew that? I, I, I'm Leonard Skinner. It is by far one of the most recognizable tunes in recent music history. The words are, big wheels keep on turning, carry me home to see my kin, singing songs about the Southland. I miss Alabama once again, and I think it's a sin. Sweet home Alabama. I lost, forgive me. Where the skies are so blue, sweet home Alabama, Lord, I'm coming home to you. Now this song, Sweet Home Alabama, is defending, if you read the lyrics, the beauty of the Southland. It has a way of making us feel nostalgic about life in the South. They are painting a picture of something that they cannot wait to return to. Home, sweet home, Alabama. And I wanna take you to a parable that Jesus shared about a young man who leaves home. Luke chapter number 15, verse 11 says this. Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees and he says this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. Everybody say two sons. The younger son told his father, I want, to, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and a man sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. Verse 17, and when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. Here I am dying of hunger. I will go home. Everybody say, sweet home. To my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. In our final verse, it says, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Kissed him. Everybody say, Sweet home, Alabama. I recently heard that home is where your Wi-Fi automatically connects. I heard this too, that I just started a diet and, and here's a recap of day number one. I removed all the fattening foods from my house. It was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> 
home isn't a house. Home is a feeling. Home, I've heard it said, is home is where your heart is. And I just want to start with this first point for us to all understand today is home is where our Father is. At home, we are under the blessing of our Father. We're taken care of, we're watched after, we're provided for, we're protected. And when you're in a relationship with your heavenly Father, I need you to understand something, you're at home. You live your life according to his word and his will. Like you ever heard anybody say that when you're under my roof, you live by my rules. When you're under his roof, how many of you ever scream that at the top of your lungs? As somebody who's one of your children. And uh, when you live under his roof, you live under his protection and his peace, his favor, his, his blessing, his care. His protection. It's like my son and daughter have my protection, have my blessing, have provision, have clothes, have food, because they live in my home. And not one time has Judah ever offered to chip in on the electric. <laughs> not one time has Lily come in and be like, Dad, you want me to cook dinner tonight? You look like you've been busy. No, you're, you're in my home and you're under my care. You're my responsibility. And the same is true of our heavenly father. That when we are in relationship with him, we are under his promises to protect us, to provide for us, to, pro to provide our needs, to bless us, to lead us, to care for us. And in the story, it's really fascinating because this younger boy, they believe he would have been a teenager because he wasn't married yet and still lived at home. He looked at his dad and said, I want what's coming to me, my inheritance, and I want to have it now before you die. Now, his share would have been half of what the older brother would have received or one-third of the estate, according to Deuteronomy. The younger son does not want to wait for his father's death to receive the inheritance. That's what I want you to catch. The younger son was motivated by immediate gratification. He wanted something that he wasn't supposed to have yet. It was to come, but just not yet. There was a system in place when his father was to die, he was to receive the inheritance, but because he wanted to do things his way, key, key sentence, he insisted on doing things his way. He violated the system and went against what was best for the long term of his life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is really important. So what in essence happens is the younger brother gets ahead of schedule and gets things out of order. Everybody say out of order. Out of order, out of order. Everybody one more time say out of order. Now, over here, we have some, we have some uh, cooking ingredients here for, I believe, I don't know what we're cooking. Oh, here we go. I think pancakes. Pancakes. Anybody like pancakes? I love pancakes. They're so fattening. But I just want to show you that we have all of the ingredients. Everybody say out of order. We have all of the ingredients for pancakes. Okay, so we have, we, have some, uh, we have some salted butter. Anybody love? 
<laughs> wow, okay, okay. Sweet home Alabama over there, I can tell you. Yeah. If you throw this in the air, this would be like the Alabama state bird, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but we got, we, got some <laughs> we got some butter right here. We got some butter. And I was, I, I was in Nashville a few weeks ago, went to Paula Dean's restaurant. Anybody ever been there? Literally just sticks of butter, just sticks of butter. It was amazing. My heart, my chest was aching when I walked out. You know, it's good. Here, here's something. I have some baking powder, some baking powder. Oh, yeah, let's just throw that in here. Not exactly sure what I'm going for, but um, here we go. We got some pure vanilla extract. Here we go. Mm, oh, yeah, here we go. That must have been the worship teams. That didn't taste like vanilla. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was yours over there. Yeah. Here, I got some, got some eggs. Yeah, I got some eggs. <laughs> now, I would not consider myself a cook by any stretch of the imagination at this point. What else we got? Let's see. Oh, we got some salt. We got some salt. How much salt, everybody? Just a, a pinch? A pinch? Okay, let's just put it in there. Okay, that's a pinch, that's a pinch. I think I need, here's some all-purpose flour and sugar. Okay, here's a little flour, okay. I don't know, do I need more? More, okay, I'll just do more. All right, now I got a little sugar. We can't get ridiculous because we're all being trying to be healthy, so just a tad. All right, now let me see. Oh, and here's some milk. Here's some milk. I do want some of this for real. All right, so here's some milk. Yeah, how much milk, guys? All right, good, good. Here, why don't we do this? I think we're done. <laughs> all right, all right. Now, everybody say out of order. Now I have ingredients, pancakes. Anybody hungry for some pancakes? I mean, these would be amazing. That's just a pinch of salt, right? I mean, just, these would be amazing. Here's, here's what I want you to understand. We have ingredients. We have all the ingredients needed. But what I didn't do and what I didn't have and no one helped me was instructions go with ingredients. So though I have all the ingredients, I still have to follow instruction. So, so, so you can look at your life and say, well, me and her have hauled all the ingredients. So we have a house and we have separate incomes. We won't get married because we want to joint our, we don't want our taxes joined together because it messes up some benefits and, and, and we have some kids and, 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 and we have a, we have a, you know, we have a, a, a shared car payment. I cover her light bill. And so we might as well just get married or no, no, excuse me, let me reword that. We might as well just move in together. Well, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but that's out of order. You have all the right ingredients, but you're not following God's instructions. And if you wanna walk in the blessing of God, 
you have to follow the instructions, not just assume because you have the ingredients that is correct. Am I talking to anybody? It's not only that, it's also with finances. The Bible teaches us to give first, our first 10%. So my wife and I, every week when we get paid, we tithe first, because that's what the scripture teaches. So we give first, we don't give last. We, when we give first, it's an act of faith, by the way. It's an act of faith. So we text in our giving, and we make the decisions. We have all the ingredients of finances and budgets and Roth IRAs and, and retirements and savings, and check, but there's one specific instruction that if I just throw it all in a bowl and say, okay, we, we're, we're trusting God with finances. Well, actually, if you're not tithing first, you're out of order. Is this helping anybody? Many of us right now want our kids to live a God-honoring life, so we send them to church, but, all, but don't show them at home. Honey, you're out of order. You gotta show them at home and send them to church. We're talking about the prodigal son who made decisions out of order. Not only that, but we find that many times we want our, our, our nation to be healed of maybe racial reconciliation. And we got everybody with their arguments and everybody with their opinions and everybody with their thoughts and everybody with their posts, but we're not doing it in love. We're not doing it in humility. We're not listening to one another. We're not caring for one another. Honey, we're out of order. We may have all the ingredients needed for racial reconciliation, but we're not doing it in a humility, a way of humility that honors God. And so our nation is out of order. Am I talking to anybody? You wanna be wealthy, but you're undisciplined. You're out of order. Psalms 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered. Everybody say ordered by the Lord and he delights in his ways. Our steps are ordered, meaning there's a sequence. God has instruction for our steps and it's the principle of first things first or priorities, staying in step with God. The, the prodigal son just wanted to do what he wanted to do. So he had all the ingredients, did what he wanted, and the Bible teaches that things just go bad because I want you to understand me, sometimes the worst thing you can get is your own way. We insist on getting what we want for long enough, we will not ultimately live a life that honors God. Matthew chapter 6, 33, but first and most importantly, Seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and these things, these things that are secondary will be added to you. Now, we oftentimes, when we're making decisions or making choices, we'll ask God to bless what we decide. When in reality, I wanna challenge you, get in the word of God and find out the decisions that he already blesses. Instead of making decisions and begging God to bless them. 
you don't ever have to pray about forgiving somebody because it's in the word of God and he already blesses it. You don't have to wonder if praying for someone is from God. <laughs> I'm telling you, people wonder that. Should I pray for them? Is this from God? Does it matter if it, does it have to be? When you pray for us, the Bible tells us to pray continually, to pray for one another. We don't have to wonder. You don't have to get up in the morning and say, God, did you tell me to go to church today? His word says to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. He's already blessing it. You don't have to ask, God, will you bless my attendance in church today? He's already got his hand on that decision. We don't have to ask God if we are supposed to encourage somebody, love somebody, forgive somebody, witness to somebody. He's already in his word giving us the blessing to do so. Am I talking to anybody? When you submit your life to his way, you'll ultimately be submitted to his will. The way God does things, following instruction, instead of just throwing ingredients in a big mess, not following how much sugar, how much salt. No, 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 there is a, there is a ordering of steps that God has required and asked of us to do. And what's crazy to me the Bible says once he got it, he moves away from the Father. Here's what I think is crazy, that the Father will let you walk away. If you insist on your own decisions for long enough, insist on your own behaviors, insist on your attitude, insist on things that don't align with God's word, the Father will let you walk. I know many people don't want to believe that, that God, God, yeah, yeah, God will draw us back and his love draws us back, but you can make decisions that are so away from God, and if you insist on doing it, it blows my mind that the Father didn't put up a fight, because God so values your free will that he even gives you the will to choose or the ability to choose against him. Isn't that something to consider? That the Father will let you Walk away for the best in your life, for the plan of God in your life, the, the miracles of God, the things in store for you, the blessings, and the Father will say, you know what? If you insist, there comes a point, I do believe, where God says, if you insist, if you wanna live that way, if you wanna do that, and people will start saying, well, I don't feel convicted about it, so it must not, uh, it must not be wrong. I, I just wanna encourage you, the Bible says that if we keep ignoring conviction, our conscience become as seared with a hot iron. So just because you don't feel convicted anymore doesn't mean that you never felt convicted at first and that you have not become more comfortable with a life that is drifting from the Father. Am I helping any? We gotta get to Sweet Home Alabama. Everybody sing it again, boys. Here's my question. What makes you move away from the Father? Sometimes the thing you want the most in your life is not best for your life. And be careful of what or who takes you away from the Father. For him, it was resources. For him, it was inheritance. For him, it was opportunities. For him, the Bible called it riotous living. For him, it was living out and just spending and, and living in the immediate moment, and it cost him. 
He drifts away from the Father. I don't know what it is for you, but it could be relationships. It may not be finances. It may not be resources. It may not be opportunities. But it could be relationships that the enemy can position around you like a chessboard. And then over time, you look down the road six months later and you're like, you know what? I was really growing in my faith until I got around them and now I barely go to church or I barely want to pray or I haven't opened my Bible app in three weeks. But the people, the enemy is so subtle, you think people that are good to you are good for you. And just because you're comfortable with them doesn't mean they're great for your purpose in life. The Bible says he does things out of order and his life moved further away from the Father. That is huge what I just said. When we insist on making it just, we got the ingredients, might as well just do it the way we think works. When we insist on doing things our way, the byproduct is we move away from the Father because we draw close to the Father when we do the will of the Father and we do what he asks us to do. We live our life submitted to his government because he's also not just a savior, he's a Lord. I've preached it before, but saving Jesus is who everybody wants. Not everybody loves the idea of Lord Jesus. Everybody wants to say, in the sweet by and by, I'm saved, but nobody wants to say, I repented of my sin. I was wrong. I'm not perfect. I have some arrogance. I, I bicker. I gossip. I complain. Nobody wants that, but everybody loves to know that, hey, Jesus is for everybody, and you're right. But the Bible says Jesus came by grace and truth, that he'll love you, but he'll also adjust you and change you and challenge you and speak to you. Am I preaching? Man, I think I'm doing good today. I'm, I'm gonna go to Ohio in a few days, and I'm gonna go up there and be like, you guys need to watch Sunday's sermon. I beat the sheep down there. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that appears to be right. Appears to be right. Culturally, it appears to be right. Economically, it appears to be right. Socially, it appears to be right. But the end, it leads to destruction. The Bible says that once he leaves, and about the time the money runs out, a big famine comes and all the friends leave. One commentary said that they believe that was the work of God. The far country is no place to be when your funds run out, your friends take off, and the famine moves in. He was away from the Father, and I thought about this. You wonder if the famine would have affected him if he just stayed at home. Because the Bible teaches that the Father had the fatted calf. The Father, the scriptures tell us that the Father had provision. So when he's out from the, the government of his Father, he's now in a place that's subject to famine. Aren't you glad to be in the house of God and a relationship with God that he said, I'll provide all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What a blessing. But he ran out of money. It was fun for a season, but it leaves him empty-handed in the long run. He joins himself to a farmer. He worked in a pig pen, and as a Jewish man, that was like the lowest of the lowest. He's in a pig pen, he's disgusting, he's muddy, he's just, he's all messed up. He's walked away from his father. I just want you to get the image. This is what happens when you insist on doing things your way and you drift from the father. It will lead you in a place that you don't wanna be. Story after story, person after person, 
Individual after individual, I'm sure I could talk to some people in this room that could say, I remember when I drifted from the Father and the next place I'm in is divorce court. And I'm not, I say that broadly. The next place I end up is in a rehab center. The next place I end up is in a place of brokenness. And the next place I end up is somewhere I never thought I'd ever be, I ever dreamed I'd be, I never wanted to be. But when we drift from the Father, when we insist on doing things our own way, we end up in these pig pens. And the scripture has an amazing turn of events. I mean, he's just messed his life up. He's a teenager. He's years ahead of him. And watch what happens. The Bible says he came to his senses. Just something just came to in that moment. In this clear thinking, he didn't think about how to improve the conditions of the pig pen. That's what some of us do. Try, try to improve the condition that we're in. He didn't blame his father. He didn't blame his brother. He didn't blame his friends. He didn't blame the boss. He didn't blame the pigs. He just recognized his misery without focusing on it and instead focused on the father. He said, I gotta go back to my father. That's what he, if you read it, he says, I gotta, I gotta get back to my dad. I cannot live in this condition. He goes, I got to go back home to my father. Here's a question I have for you. Are you homesick? Are you homesick? The Bible says he's in this low, broken, hurting place. He comes to his senses and he says, I just got to go home. This week I was uh, traveling, I preached in Seattle uh, or in Washington State, somewhere in the mountains at a youth camp with about 500 kids. Uh, about 30 of them gave their life to Christ, 80 of which were baptized in water, isn't that awesome? And on Friday, I, I'm packing my bags. We have a driver taking me to the airport, SeaTac, and, and Lindsay, me and Lena's assistant, calls me and says that my flight was canceled for no reason at all. And uh, you wanna talk about a tad inconveniencing when you're like, I'm just trying to get home. I just wanna get home to see my kids. I just wanna get home and be in my own bed. I just wanna get home. And I'm so thankful for what God did that week. But when it's time to go home, it's time to go home. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I just want to go. Have you been on a great vacation? You have loved being at the beach. You have loved going to Destin or you have loved going to Smith Lake or you have just loved doing something. Well, you're ready to go home. There's just nothing like your own bed and being in your own home. And uh, we had to schedule out for the next day and it felt like the longest flights of my life yesterday. Felt like they were like, one, one flight was four and a half hours, then you come back to Atlanta, and then you jump on that stick of gum and fly back over here. <laughs> it's like six seats on that plane. <laughs> fly back. Here I have been in Washington. I know a ton of those people. I love all those people. I've known them for 10 years preach to all these kids and see God do amazing things and crying at the altar. We didn't leave the tent till 10, 11 o'clock at night. Powerful moves of God. But there's still no place like home. Someone say there's no place like 
home. The story lets us know that he leaves the pig pen. He's aware of living a wrong life and he can't do this without the Father. Here's what I need you to really understand. I think it's important for people to know the seriousness of their sin. There's no true repentance without knowing how bad the pig pen is. It's vital, and I hope you catch what I'm about to say. I'm afraid that in the American church we've had a lot of people raise their hand to accept Jesus and have never repented from sin. Because the Bible teaches that repentance, transgression for our, this, our, our heartbreaking for our wrongness makes the gospel attractive. But we're living in a time where everybody's telling you and me that we're good. When in reality, we are shaped in sin, born in iniquity, we're pig pen material. And a lot of people have made decisions, but not a lot of people have made conversions, meaning they've repented of sin, repented of wrongdoing, repented of their attitude, repented of their failures. Somebody said, well, when do you stop repenting? When you stop sinning? Every day of my life, every day of my life, I have this pattern of prayer I do been doing since January every day of my life Paul says I die daily and I repent before God every day things I know I've done things I didn't know I do because the reality of it is we naturally drift toward pig pen mentality pig pen attitude pig pen decisions the Bible says he gets up and he leaves it that that he leaves the pig pen. That is the definition of repentance. Turning around and leaving where you just came from. Refusing to continue down the path. A lot of people, Jesus is an addition to their decisions. He's just a back burner God. He just kind of comes in when I need him to. I'll go to church on Sunday. What God is asking is that he's not an addition to your life. He needs you to repent and change the direction and follow him. If any man come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, follow me. He's looking for people to have a repenting heart. He leaves the pig pen and the story lets us know of the father's great love while he's on his way, the father casts aside all behavioral conventions of the time as running was considered undignified for an older person, especially a wealthy landowner such as this man. And the Bible lets us know that the father runs toward the son, embraces him, hugs him, kisses him, Two things I need you to catch. Number one, God is always in a hurry to save us. Number two, the son still smelled like a pig when the father hugged him. God is in a hurry to save you. He is, he is looking for someone just to lean his direction. You've done things your way for so long. You're homesick and you know it. 
and the Holy Spirit is drawing somebody today, speaking to your heart, and you feel in your heart, you know God is saying to you right now, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. And when you make the decision, we leave behind the things that hold us back. We repent of our sin, but we're not perfect. And when the Father grabs us up, it's not about how clean we were. It's not about how great we are. It's not about our education level. It's not about how perfect we, he grabs you because he loves you. He cares about you and he doesn't want you to live in the pig pen. He was waiting outside. Bible says he saw him from afar off, meaning that he was looking for him to come. The father day after day just kept looking. Can I tell you today, what if that's what the father's doing right now? He's got his glasses off and he's just looking. All I need is somebody's heart stirred and the father begins to run to them. All I need is somebody to realize that they've insisted on doing things their way for so long that they've ended up in a pig pen in life. They've been out of order. They forgot to put me first. You may be in the room thinking, yeah, get them, Pastor Ethan. Tell them the truth. They're lost without God. Listen, this sermon isn't for people necessarily lost without the Father. I'm talking to all of us who can occasionally drift from the Father. In our house, when I come home, I do a lot of traveling or um, late from the office one day and I'll come in and many times, Many, many times, I'm sure many of you fathers can relate to this. When you walk into your house, Judah and Lily will run up to me. It's one of the best feelings in the world, isn't it? Kids run up to you and say, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Lily ate her boogers. Mommy spanked me. They, you know, just get the whole download, you know. It's awesome. And they hug you. In the natural, when you come home, your kids run to you, but in the kingdom, when you come home, the Father runs to us. So with eyes closed all over the room, as the song said, Lord, I'm coming home to you. Where the skies are so blue, I never thought I'd ever be quoting these lyrics in church. Sweet home Alabama, where the skies are so blue, so blue, sweet home Alabama, Lord, I'm coming home to you. Can I encourage you today? It's time to come home. With eyes closed, no one looking around, and you'll be honest before God today, and you just say, man, I've drifted from the Father. Or you have insisted on living with that mentality or that worry. You've insisted on that behavior. Or you've insisted on those things going on in your life. And you may not be drifting yet, but you're well on your way. Because today God stopped you. Because you've been messing with ingredients and not following instruction. And today God wants to help you. If that's you, if any of this spoke to you today, no eyes are looking around. I want you to raise your hand to heaven and say, God, help me. Thank you for those hands. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I just want to pray with you. If you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus and you drifted away from the Father and you, have, you need to commit your life again, I'm telling you, 
there's no place like home. Every person in this room who's given their life to Jesus would say the same words. There's just no place like the love of God, the presence, fellowship, love. And if you're in the room and you don't know Jesus or you've drifted away from the Father, we just raise your hand right where you are. Say, Father, that's me. I need to come back home. I need to come back home. Thank you for those hands. I need to come back home. I need to give my life to Jesus. Thank you. Will you stand with us all over the room? Maybe you want to put your hands out like this. Maybe you want to put your hands on your heart. Maybe you want to raise your hand. But can we just sing before we pray one final time together? Come on, let's worship God. Alabama, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen.